1: wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.
0: From London, I'm Rochelle Travers, and this is The Standard. It's been one year of Rishi Sunak as Prime Minister.
2: I've just been to Buckingham Palace and accepted His Majesty the King's invitation to form a government.
3: Well, the Prime Minister has clearly been shamed into going to COP27.
2: Today, what we saw with the inflation figures is that our plan is working. We are now at the stage where our campaign is about saving the NHS. And so I am ending this long-running saga. I am cancelling the rest
3: of the HS2 project. The
2: voters here have turned their back on a
3: failed Tory government. They've had enough of the decline of the last 13 years and they are crying out for change. The United Kingdom stands with Israel against this terrorism today, tomorrow. And always.
0: Just some moments there from Mr Sunak's first 12 months as PM. But could his first year also be his last? According to a new poll by Ipsos for The Standard, Labour leader Sir Keir Starmer is seen as the candidate for change at the next general election. The results come as Mr Sunak attempts to position himself as a change maker, despite the Conservatives being in power for the past 13 years. Here to explain more is Kieran Pedley, Director of Politics at Ipsos. Kieran, there's a new Ipsos poll out today. What does it tell us about the public opinion on Rishi Sunak?
2: I think... The way I phrase this at the moment is that he's someone that feels like he's swimming against the tide of public opinion in the UK. We see intense public dissatisfaction with the direction of the country. So more than 6 in 10 think the country's heading in the wrong direction. 8 in 10 are dissatisfied with the way the government's running the country. And so what you've got is a situation where Richard Schindler is trying to relaunch and trying to sort of seize the agenda with different policies on you know, cancelling HS2 or delaying some net zero policies and things like that. But fundamentally, the polls remain pretty stubborn. So one very obvious headline version of that is that, you know, a year ago today, Labour were 21 points ahead in the polls in terms of voting attention. And today they're 20 points ahead. So at the very macro, you know, upshot level, uh, things haven't changed substantially. I think it, there's a sense that people want change. And at the moment, they seem to think that Keir Starmer is more likely to offer that than Rishi Sunak. So, you know, he's very much, as I say, swimming against the tide of public opinion at the moment. So, you know, to put this this in context, so we find consistently two-thirds of people in the country think it's time for change at the next general election. So that is a majority view. When we ask people which leader they trust the most to deliver the change Britain needs, we find that 40% trust Keir Starmer most uh, and 26% uh, trust Rishi Sunak most, with the rest saying that it's undecided or that they don't know. Now, this is kind of interesting because when we look at Keir Starmer's personal uh, satisfaction ratings, his net satisfaction rating is minus 23, which means that 30% are satisfied by the job he's doing as Labour leader and 53% are dissatisfied. So, it's not necessarily the case that people are overwhelmingly enthusiastic about the prospects of Keir Starmer being Prime Minister. They're not as hostile to that prospect as they might have been under Jeremy Corbyn or Edmund. Miliband, previous Labour leaders. But there isn't a groundswell of enthusiasm for Keir Starmer as we saw with Tony Blair in the mid-1990s. Maybe that was a bit of an aberration anyway. But when it comes to this idea of who can represent change best, Keir Starmer leads Rishi Sunak.
0: What could Rishi Sunak do to turn things around for himself?
2: I think it's really difficult. And one of the reasons it is really difficult is because when you look at the issues that are most important to the public right now, we consistently see uh, things like the cost of living, NHS waiting times and, and in particular on the conservative side, people that voted conservative in 2019, presumably people Rishi Sunak would want to win back and, and retain issues around immigration and small boats are particularly important too. And so when you look at Rishi Sunak's five pledges that he made at the start of the year, they are definitely in the right areas. You know, he, he's got his finger on the pulse in that way. But what we do also consistently see is people think overwhelming majorities think he's doing a bad job or his government's doing a bad job at delivering on those. But I think the point is they're not easy issues to wave a magic wand and sort of make an NHS waiting list of you know many millions of people disappear or, or completely stop boats overnight or um, you know fix the cost of living, which is a complex relationship between inflation and wages and you know, just mortgages and disposable income and so on. So I think that you know, what he ultimately needs to be able to show is that he's delivering on on the public priorities and then you know, play on some of those doubts about Labour and their, their, their readiness uh, for government or Keir Starmer and his readiness to be Prime Minister. But for people to have those doubts in enough numbers that they're going to stick with the Conservatives, there needs to be a reason and that reason needs to be delivery. But as I say, because of the, the, the scale of the challenges the country seems to face at the moment, that's not going to be easy.
0: Rishi Sunak marks one year as Prime Minister today. How has public opinion changed on him over the past 12 months?
2: So I think, I think I'm right in say that his net satisfaction rating was like minus 8 or something when he took over. And, and now we're looking at sort of minus 37. So he, I think when we look at um, when he took office, it's probably fair to say that his personal poll ratings were better than the conservative parties. and there was a big the big debate about you know which way would things go would the, would uh, that stay the same would the conservative party's ratings improve and become more like Rishi Sunak's or the other way round and i think it, it's more the latter it's more that Rishi Sunak's ratings have got worse as it, uh, as he's become prime minister to to the point where they're more like what we're seeing with the conservative party a year or so ago i think probably the way to to answer this question is to look at the sort of the deep dive on the leaders Keir Starmer and Rishi Sunak what we're seeing is when we ask about different character traits or personality traits about the two men, yeah, more than seven in 10 think Rishi Sunak is out of touch. Now, this is not something that's unusual for conservative prime ministers. You know, David Cameron was often accused of this and public opinion showed that there was concerns he was out of touch. But you can be out of touch as a conservative prime minister if you're seen as delivering on the public priorities, if you're seen as a capable leader, a strong leader and you know, making progress on public priorities. People will almost overlook this idea that you're this rich guys, you know, out of touch or whatever. If you, if you're getting the job done, the fact that people don't think that's the case make some of those character traits more damaging uh, for Prime Minister as he goes into in the next election. I don't personally think that the Conservative Party's problems or their prospects for a re-election are because of Rishi Sunak. I think there's a lot of water under the bridge with Boris Johnson and Partygate, Liz Truss and the uh, the mini-budget and the impact that that had negatively on the Conservatives' reputation for managing the economy. In many ways, Rishi Sunak, is, whilst he was Chancellor of the Exchequer before, came in as a sort of clean slate in some ways. I don't think it's his fault, but at the same time, he's not moving the dial. He's not, he's not sort of changing people's minds. I guess that's the big problem he's got in the next year or so, or however long it is to the next election. He's got to change people's minds. There's got to be a sea change in how people view his government to the point where enough people are prepared to give him another five years. And ultimately, that's going to be the contest. Labour will say the Conservatives have been in power 14 years or so. Um, It's time for a change. That seems to have a lot of sympathy, that argument at the moment in the public. Whereas Rishi Sunak has got to give a compelling reason why you don't want to do that and you want to stick with the Conservatives for four or five more years. At the moment, that's not washing, but obviously the election isn't tomorrow.
0: Is Labour a clear front runner then or is it not that straightforward?
2: Labour's very, very much out in front. So, as I say, Labour are 20 points ahead in the polls at the moment. And you know, if that was reflected at a, at a general election, we're, we're talking about you know, an absolute wipeout for the Conservatives. But it's not unusual for opposition parties to be uh, significantly ahead in the polls, You know, even as much as a year before uh, or 18 months before an election. Uh, and then that narrows as polling day gets closer. The assumption is that it will narrow. We have to wait and see. But I think that it's not just about the opinion polls. We look at the by elections recently in mid Bedfordshire and Tamworth. We saw a swing. To Labour of twenty twenty five points, which is the type of swings we were seeing under Tony Blair in the mid nineteen nineties before that landslide Labour victory. In fact, um, going to get the name of the seat wrong, but the pre- predecessor seat to Tamworth, I think it was South East Staffordshire or South West Staffordshire or something, saw a very similar swing in nineteen ninety six in a by election, and then Labour went on to win by twelve points and have a landslide in nineteen ninety seven. So all signs are pointing to a Labour victory. And I think what's really important for listeners to understand is that, and keep remembering, is that the changes going on in Scotland since Nicola Sturgeon's resignation, Labour's win in the Rutherglen by-election, is making a, the prospect of a Labour majority much more likely. Because when Labour have won majorities in British political history, it's, it's not only because of Scotland but Scotland's been a major factor in that which has been absent for the last few elections for Labour. So all signs are pointing in that direction. That being said there is some evidence the Conservatives will say that uh, a lot in these by-elections a lot of Conservative Party supporters are sitting at home you know not, not turning out to vote. I think that might be exaggerated as a reason for their current travails but it's certainly there's elements of truth in it. So what the Conservatives have got to do is try and motivate that vote to come out and sort of win back some of the people that have switched to Labour between now and election time. So it may well get closer, but I really can't stress enough that for the Conservatives to remain in office, they're going to need to win 315, 320 seats to, you know, at the absolute minimum to be able to form a government. That's looking a really difficult prospect at the moment. Um, you can argue about the margins of Labour's victory, but for the Conservatives to stay in power, there really needs to be this big sea change in public opinion, um, which you know, can happen, but as yet we're not saying
0: Time for a quick break. In part two, our politics editor, Nicholas Cecil, on what Rishi Sunak had to exclusively say to the standard on his one-year anniversary as PM. Why not hit rate and follow in the meantime?
1: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. Wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.
0: Joining me now is our politics editor, Nicholas Cecil. Nick, today he marks one year as Prime Minister for Rishi Sunak, and he's actually spoken to The Standard about this. What has he had to say?
3: Well, the, the, Rishi Sunak has very much doubled down on, on his uh, attempts to convince the British public that he's going to be a great reformer of British politics. He's saying basically that there is more to do with his agenda. And um, he's already done some quite big reforms, some quite controversial reforms. For example, he's at the second leg between Birmingham and Manchester of the HS2 high-speed rail link. This was deeply controversial, but he's basically trying to portray that as a long-term political decision that he's been willing to take rather than carry on with a a doomed project. He's also announced that A-levels will be axed and replaced with something called the Advanced British Standard. He's now pushing ahead with an incremental ban on smoking. And he's also scaled back climate change action. So he's delayed the ban on the sale of new petrol and diesel cars by five years to 2035 and the switch to heat pumps, he argues that this is necessary to take the British public with the government in the fight against uh, global warming, rather than to penalise them too heavily, and then they'd they'd give up on that. So these are all kind of big controversial reforms. But he says that they are the, the long-term big decisions that are needed rather than short-term political fixes. His critics would argue that's not the case, but he, he's very much uh, taking the to say that there's more decisions to come and um, he thinks this is the way forward for, for the country.
0: What are going to be the biggest tests for Rishi Sunak over the next 12 months?
3: At the moment, he's doing quite well on the world stage. He's showing some statesmanship qualities um, in terms of Britain's strong rep- response to Putin's war in Ukraine and to the growing Middle East crisis but ultimately he'll be judged on domestic issues and on uh, particularly on the economy. The, the PM has made five pledges, key pledges uh, which he'll be judged on. He's promised to halve inflation, grow the economy, reduce debt, cut NHS waiting times and stop these what's called the small boat channel crossings. Now, in terms of inflation, uh, which is really one of his flagship pledges, to halve inflation, he's got to get that down to about 5.3% by the end of the year, which he may well actually achieve in doing. But in terms of people out there in the country, will they actually feel better off? That is a a big question, because even with inflation above 5%, a lot of people will not be ending up with more more money in their pocket at the end of the day. So it, it could be... A lot longer, or certainly many months longer, before people actually start to feel better, if they do at all. In terms of NHS waiting times, that is again the government. It was an ambitious target. The waiting times grew partly due to the the pandemic, the backlog of of treatment and operation due to that. But now we also have the strikes by consultants and junior doctors, which is making the matter worse. So NHS waiting lists are at uh, more than 7.7 million now, and that's really affecting lots of people across the country. So, and that is a target which the government may struggle to make. So th- th- there's still a year to go, probably, until the next election. So it's, uh, it's a difficult road ahead for Mr Sunak. He's shown he's willing to take big political decisions, but so, so the polls suggest at the moment he, he faces a struggle to stay in power.
0: You can read more on this story and others in the Standard newspaper or on our website, standard.co.uk. And that's it from this episode. This podcast will be back tomorrow at 4pm.
1: Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance.